guys, welcome to the Breakout Podcast. This is episode one. I'm your host, Madeline Watchering. I'm so excited to get into this today. Today we have Daniel, and he's going to go over a bit of entrepreneurship, Tax Haven and Monaco, and just having the right successful mindset to become successful. So let's get into it. I've never been to Monaco. I always see all the like YouTube videos or like it's TikTok a, videos of people dragging their designer purses. <laughs> it's a, it's, there's two Monacos actually. There's one for people that live here and there's one for people that come here. It's oh. not, it's, it's a town because we're, I mean, in full capacity, not full capacity, but there's only, 36,000 registered inhabitants. So it's like a borough of uh, any, it's, 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 it is like a borough of any country, of any city. And uh, I'd say that out of 35,000, only 20,000 actually live here. Because it's a because it's a fiscal paradise, so people come, they get their residency, but then leave. Oh yeah, because you don't have to pay taxes there, right? There is no income tax. There's no personal income tax, and uh, even corporate taxation is only very limited. So if you do Monaco to Monaco business. Like if you own a restaurant and you only work within Monaco, obviously, unless you're a touring restaurant, you pay no taxes. If you do more than uh, 75, 20, if you do more than 25% of your business outside Monaco, then you're subject to a taxation, which is not very high, but it's present. But what you can do is if you have a turnover of a hundred million euros, you can always discuss with the state of what the sort of uh, CEO compensation is. So out of a hundred million, you can declare 90 million as your own compensation, pay no taxes on that, and then only get taxed on the 10, on the 10 million that is that you actually consider company profit. That's insane. It's a very flexible system. That's why. Yeah, that's I mean, that's not like the U.S. at all. No, <laughs> but that's why all uh, sports personalities are residents here, unless you're American. Why unless American, you're American? Because Americans get taxed in the U.S regardless of where they live, where they reside, where they make their money, and so on and so forth. I didn't know that. I thought that if you went to a different nope. country and established nope. residency there, nope. oh, well, I'm stuck with nope. American taxation, I guess. <laughs> yes, you're stuck with it, unless you renounce your citizenship and get another uh, country's passport. No, that to, to, to make it like even... Uh, clearer i used to work at one of the two main swiss banks i used to work Is for a while up i used to work for credit suisse long time ago credit suisse went belly up and it was was actually bought and is now run by ubs oh no no swiss bank would ever open a bank account to an american citizen when did they open one to jordan belford that was way then, way back then. They did back then. Back about 12 years ago, if I remember correctly, we asked all our American clients to tell us where they wanted their money to be sent because we were not going to keep their accounts open anymore. About 12 years ago, give or take a few years. That's crazy. That sounds like a good call, though. So, are you from Switzerland? No, I'm. I have an Italian passport because in Monaco there's basically uh, three nationalities: the Monegasque, who are the passport holders of Monaco, which is impossible to obtain. 
Then, then there's about 8,000 of them. Then the other, uh, I'd say a third are Italians, a third are French, and a third are the rest of the world. Okay, that's a pretty like fair mix. Very diverse. Yeah. Very, very diverse. That's very... such a fun city to like live in though, like to have so many different cultures. It's a, I'll put it this way. You either come for a very brief stint and you enjoy it, or you, if 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 you're somebody your age or in your twenties or thirties, if you're older, it's a beautiful place. It's the safest place in the world. We have the highest per cap. We have the highest per capita police force in the world. We have, I think, one policeman every four hundred citizens, every four hundred residents. It's a it's a police state. It's not actually a police state. Do you know how big Central Park is in New York City? Have you ever been? Yeah, I Monaco have. is half the size of Central Park. Is it really? Monaco is less than half the size of Central Park. There, like it's a strip along the coast, and in the narrowest part, it's maybe two hundred yards from the coastline. And the border with France, three hundred yards it max. That small. It's, oh my gosh! It's, it's a it's a borough. It's a it's 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 a small town. So you actually mean it's a borough? Like you were being serious about that? I'm being serious. It is. It is. It's actually we have after a very particular area in Hong Kong, we are the most densely populated living area in the world i live in a an apartment complex that is con that cons is comprised of two buildings and it's i think 24 stories tall by four sets of uh elevators like rows of apartments do you know how many families live here yes um so 24 stories times four, seven. 700 families in two buildings. 700? We are, we are packed. I'm talking packed. That the If you have a big house, you live in uh, a thousand square feet, a hundred square meters. But that's yeah. because the... That's because the cost of real estate here is unbelievable. Yeah, it seems that way. So did you always have business in Monaco or did you start in Italy or Switzerland? No, I started, I go back and forth. I have multiple streams of business. I work for the judiciary system and that fiscally has to be located in Italy. So I have a house in Italy. I have a house in Monaco. I have offices in Italy. I have offices in Monaco and I have offices in France, which is across the street. <laughs> is your favorite place Monaco? Yes. <laughs> I'd fire because it's safe. Because it's when did safe. You start creating your new businesses. When did I start creating them? Mm -hmm. I always have, you know, I mean, to get into a little bit into this, uh, into the reason why you asked me to talk to you is the, you never start or stop doing business or creating business. It's you always, you, you should be the way I was is a can do attitude. If you have a can-do attitude and you believe or you try to make $1 more than you spend in everything you do that involves something, producing something or providing a service, then you, you there's always business opportunities. When did I seriously start? When I, I, I was not 
always an entrepreneur. I was, at one point, I was making the division. The, 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 how do you specify whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee? Depends where you get more money from. So at one point, I was making a lot of money from being an employee. Employee meaning that I yeah. was working for a salary. And, uh, and I had side businesses. So I wasn't always making most of my income from an entrepreneurial endeavor, but I was making it from a fixed base income. I started maybe in my mid thirties, early thirties, that's about 25 years ago until age 30, I was, uh, until age 30, almost to 40, cause I did like part-time work i was making most of my money from uh as as a, as a as a sales manager for for dhl and then i worked at a swiss bank i was i was engineering and structuring uh derivatives so did you just go for any of that or did i have a degree in economics oh that's what i'm studying right now there you go. Pure economics. I don't, I mean, I, I have a degree in the mathematical side of economics, which is, uh, which is, I think the best thing you could do for yourself, because I'm going to say this, and it's probably the secret of business. The secret of businesses is in the books. If you don't know how to read the books of a company, don't even start. Because if you can't, if you don't know what a balance sheet looks like, if you don't know the ins and outs of bookkeeping of a company, you're never going to actually know what that company is good at, what a company is capable of, what the potential is, if it's going to go belly up, and so on and so forth. And, 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 uh, Warren Buffett is the prime example of somebody who looks at the company's books. So how do you suggest someone learns how to look at books? Like, do they go to school or are yeah. there actual books to read about keeping books that you would suggest? Well, there's tons of them. I went to school. I'm sure that there are, I mean, uh, basic accounting, like, there are online courses for basic accounting, and uh, I suggest those. They don't take up a ton of time. They are not the easiest thing, but recognizing what asset is a money-producing asset and what asset is a liability is something that the earlier you learn it, and the better it is for you because buying a condo and putting it out to, to generate profit is one way to get an asset to produce money. Buying a very expensive car is an asset that it's going to cost you money. They're both assets, but one's going to bankrupt you and one's going to make you rich. I am not a real estate person. Let's put it that way. No, I am not a real estate person. I am not good at real estate. Plus, in Monaco, it being real estate is a cutthroat business. And, you, that way. and you need a truckload of money. Mm -hmm. um, a square meter is, I think, I don't know how many square feet that is. 10 square feet. No. A square meter would be around nine square. Okay. Yeah. Nine. Do you know how much the average, not the most expensive, but the average price per 10 square feet in Monaco is? I want to say $100,000. No, that's the high part. Okay. That's the high. That's the high part of the market. So the average between sixty, 
between $60,000 and $120,000. That means that to give you a, an, to give you a, a, a way to compare, not a garage, but a place to put your car that you own that is four stripes on the pavement where you can park your car sells for about $750,000. That is just insane. <laughs> so buying apartments that are a thousand square feet in a decent location goes for about 7 million US dollars. So to be in, in real estate, plus you know, can you imagine what the commission is for the real estate for the for the for the people that sell and buy and sell real estate? So you have a huge competition. What would you say a good asset someone buys is right now? Property. Property. Yeah, I am not. I don't buy property. I, I own property because I use property. I don't buy property for investment. I work with bonds. I work with shares. I invest a lot in the S&P 500. That's my favorite. My, my, if you ask me, if somebody has $10,000, because let's be honest, not everybody has $100,000 lying around. But if you have $10,000 lying around, I would tell you to buy S&P 500 shares. And in a crappy year, that thing goes gives you a 10% return. Yeah. And people, in a crappy year, I've, I've, there's been years that I've made like 30% on S&P 500. Oh, yeah, more than that. See, I'm 19, so I recently started investing just last year when I turned 18 and was able to start. Yeah. And this year with 2023, it did go down in August. I think I lost like a couple thousand with that, but it went back up. Within, it back up. Like, I, I think I lost like 4K and then I got it back like within a couple weeks. And exactly. I was like, oh, I'm exactly. And there... The S&P 500 today, meaning from January to today, I think it's up 14%. So if you invested in January $10,000, you would have now 14000 What do you think about crypto? Never, ever. Ever, why? Never. What is crypto? Crypto is non-existent. I have to call the bank every time I purchase it because they're like, this isn't real currency. No, don't, don't ever. If I were you, I would never. I, um, when people ask me, like, I wasn't in banking when crypto was around because I left before crypto became a thing, but I have a degree in economics and I wouldn't touch crypto with a 10 foot pole. No, no way. What I'm saying is crypto as an investment, it's a gamble. You want to use, you want to do it as a gamble, buy gold or buy crypto, same thing. But don't ever tell me that it is or it can be a currency. And I give you the, the example that I give everybody who asks. If a Tesla costs 100,000 US dollars, Tesla, and today, it costs, let's say, 10 Bitcoin. So it's the, if we want to use it as a currency, as an exchange basis, 10 Bitcoin, $100,000 worth of the car, a Bitcoin is worth $10,000. What if the Bitcoin loses half of its value? How much will I need to pay that Tesla? 20 Bitcoin. Correct? Does that mean that that Tesla is worth half of what it was worth yesterday? Obviously not. If Tesla, if Bitcoin doubles 
And instead of being worth $10,000 per Bitcoin, it's worth $20,000. That means that if I need to buy that Tesla, I will only need to spend five Bitcoins. Does it mean that the Tesla has suddenly become half as expensive? Obviously not. The Tesla is still worth what it was worth three days ago. But why is it that I one day I need to pay double and the next day I need to pay half of it? It can't work that way. Yeah. It no, I it, I don't think that crypto is a currency and I don't ever really count it as a currency or refer to it as one. I still think it's an interesting thing to invest in though because it goes up so quick and then goes down just as fast. Like I'll look at my wallet and I'll see like it doubled and then I'll go back like two hours later and see that it went back to regular or like right. before. Then it what's the criteria for investing? What is your criteria for investing in crypto? Um, the gamble. A gamble, yeah. Okay. Then if you like gambling, then I'm all with you. I have about like 5% in my portfolio investing. Investing is something else. <laughs> what do you suggest? I already have a lot in S and P five hundred. That's my keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep buying S and P. Historically, it is. I mean, it's gone. It hasn't gone up like this, but it's gone up like this. So it's always, and it also depends on what your expectations, what your possibilities are. If you're telling me. I need to invest for, and I can keep my money locked for three quarters. That's nine months. Then I would tell you crypto is fine. S&P might not be because if you need that money in nine months from now, nine months from now, you might not be able to have the same amount of money. But if you're in for the long run, go ahead. When do you say, give me the example on a month. So I say that you get, say that you get paid on the first of the month. Oh, if I get paid on the first of the month, is it a biweekly or monthly? Monthly. It's, a, it's, a, it's an example that I'm trying to get to. So depending on the paycheck, I would go first for my needs, probably around like 20%, 20, 30. But and when do you save? The first of the month. Exactly. That's crucial. You don't live and with what's left, you put that in savings. You get a paycheck. You save the amount that you allocated and then you live with the rest. Because if you do it any other way, you're never going to make money. Nope, <laughs> not at all. And that's one thing most young people haven't figured out yet. It takes a while. A lot of adults haven't either. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Why did you originally start your business? Or businesses, I should say. Why? Because... For as brutal as it's going to sound, because I had nothing better to do. I'm extremely honest. I don't need to work. I never needed to work. Because my father before me took care of everything. But why do I work? Why do I work 100 hours? Why not? What, what's, what, what else is there to do that's productive, that's fulfilling, that's uh, satisfying? And what advice would you give to someone who's starting their business? Work your ass off. Work your ass off? Just like when we were chatting prior to doing this podcast, right. like one thing you said was don't look at it as making money per hour but look at it just as working like just yes. just do it like don't exactly 
I'm only making $5 an hour. I'm making nothing today. Like, just look at it as I'm going to work my ass off and get there. Exactly. And if you take, if you don't take no as an answer, not to people, but to the situation, if you refuse to give up, if you refuse to stop, if you refuse to surrender, and something has to give, because something has to give, and you are not the one that's going to give, that is the definition of being successful. If I am not willing to stop hustling, if I am not willing to stop busting my chops, if I'm not willing to be defeated, I am bound to, to make it. You know, when, 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 when history, history tells us, I mean, uh, Edison failed before making, before perfecting the light bulb, he failed a thousand times. And he said, I didn't fail a thousand times. I found a thousand times. I found a thousand ways of not making this thing work. And you are bound, you are bound to fail. Most of the things that I try don't, don't work. I've had shitload. Pardon my French. I've had a ton of things that didn't work. So who cares? Just keep going. Keep going. It's. Making money is not the hard part. Like, like reaching the top is the easy part. Staying on top is the hard part because not being complacent is much harder than hustling. Because that requires a consistency that you start lacking when you're not hungry anymore, you need to be hungry. If you want to succeed, you need to be hungry. When people tell me I didn't make it and I tell them you didn't try hard enough, they get all pissed. They get all upset. Oh, you know, it's not true. Then keep making excuses. People that make it are people that didn't give up. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fall. It doesn't matter if you fall 10 times, provided you get up 11. Mm -hmm. You The hardest part of like being an entrepreneur, would you say the hardest is failure or the hardest is just continuing? Continuing. The hardest part is not getting discouraged. The hardest part is not being demoralized. Which is the biggest asset an entrepreneur needs uh, relative to this? A huge self-esteem and a huge confidence in one's means. Because those are the ones that are going to make you get up. When you make a mistake, when you make a wrong investment and you lose money, it's, and if you get in the right uh, uh, frame of mind, it becomes easier to get up than to stay down. Contrary to what people could actually think, they say, you know, I got defeated, I fell, it's easier to stay down. In the beginning, it might be, but once you get into the mentality of not giving up, Staying down is harder than, uh, than, than, than getting up. The hardest part of being an entrepreneur, a successful in, in, entrepreneur, is, is developing the correct mindset. The correct. At that fear and doubt that you may have along your journey. Say it again. How do you combat the fear and doubt that you may have along your journey? 
or like just like I do not want to get up like days you may feel like extremely burnt out like do you take a couple of days for yourself when you feel that way oh yeah you self oh yeah oh yeah why not if I know that I'm going to if I know that I'm going to do poorly if I go to the office apart from the fact that my office is about 20 yards that way. I have an office. I have a house office and I have offices that I actually go to because, uh, how do you combat that? What do you do? Do you stay in bed one day? Yeah. And it has happened that people, uh, that, that I felt like I wasn't going to be productive. I mean, I, I know what burnout feel, what burnout feels like. And I know that if I try to push through burnout, instead of burning one day, I might burn six or seven or screw off a week from now. Then I, I better stop in, in regards to the, how do you grow that self-confidence and that self-esteem self-esteem is different from self-confidence. I was a coach long time ago on self-confidence and self-esteem. I had a course on that and, uh, Self-esteem is something that comes post what you did. I esteem, I am proud of what I did, but you have self-esteem is what you use looking back. Self-confidence is what you use looking forward. And when people say, ah, but I am not confident. What is confidence? Uh, feeling good about yourself. Confidence is, that's where you might believe or you might think, oh, I'm not confident. I can't do that. That's what confidence is. Confidence is nothing more than the belief that I can do it. You can yawn. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> My confidence is the ability to believe that you can not that you be able to and not that you will succeed because that's something else that's skills if you have if you don't have skills has got nothing to do with self-confidence you know i might have the self-confidence of being able to jump a ditch that it's four, four yards wide and land in the middle of it. But why'd you jump? Cause I believed I could. Why didn't you then? Cause I didn't, cause I'm 55 and my legs don't make it to the other side. But that doesn't mean that I, so self-confidence is the willingness to try. Self-confidence is the belief that I can try. So self-confidence is actually the self-confidence ends the moment you take action. Then from that on, it's a different story. So that's why I try to teach people. We all have self-confidence. We've been taught by maybe some significant people in our lives, usually our parents, that we are not able, we won't succeed. But that's BS. Just try it. Give it a shot. What's the worst that can happen? That you end up exactly where you are? Fine. I mean, so people are like, oh, I'm not trying because I'm not going to do it. You definitely not. The only way that you're not going to do something and you're certain that you won't do it and you won't make it is if you don't try. That's the only certainty you have. If you don't give it a shot, I can guarantee that you will fail. And that's something that I'm willing to sign. A hundred percent. You know, like I had a professor the other day and she was like, why did you ask me this question? Because it was, I asked her if I could get like a higher grade on a paper that was already graded. And she was like, why did you ask me? And I'm like, the worst you can say is no, like, why not? And the worst that can happen is I keep my grade. Yeah. That's but what I, that's I don't know if I don't ask that person something. Like, I don't know. And the best thing you could have asked and you might ask next time is 
what can I do to get a better grade? Because that is, it's like when I ask, when I taught people how to get a raise, and it's like people are like, oh, I, I'm going to go there, I'm going to ask for a raise. No, because you have a chance of them saying no. Which is the best way of asking for a raise? Is going there is like, I want to make 20% more than what I'm making now. How do I do it in 90 days? And then you just keep your mouth shut and you wait for the person, your boss usually, to tell you exactly how to make 20% more in 90 days. Life is not that complicated. It's really not. <laughs> it's not. Kind of copy and paste in a way. In a way, you can look at it that way. What routine do you usually follow throughout the day to help with, like, maybe not getting burned out or to keep up with what you're doing? Like, my the basic, the, the, the crucial piece of advice that I give anybody who asks is for at least half of your day, and in my case, it's until midday, is do not let anybody dictate your agenda. That means that I don't look at this before midday. I look at it because if I need to, but I will not look at email. I will not look at text messages. I will not, because if I do that, I start putting fires up. Then it's four o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't gotten anything done. Yep. My agenda says that until midday, I will do what I set myself out to do. I, I like once you get started on your phone, it's just like, okay, I have to pay this bill. I have like five different emails. And I will, if you, right why are you, I don't know. But all of it kind of encompasses a few of the same traits, like taking time for self-care, mm -hmm. uh, pushing yourself to the next limits, like always trying to be your best. Mm -hmm. Do you see that same trend when you no. think about success? No. No. No, because I don't I don't care for taking care of myself in the sense that I don't go to the gym. I don't give a damn. I smoke cigars. I had a heart attack last summer. I work between 95 and 120 hours a week i work seven days on seven days a week and uh to me that's fun so people say why don't you go to the gym do what to me going to the gym is a waste of time but your body's going to fail you Listen, I had a heart attack last year. I they drag they dragged me they they dragged me out of out of God knows where probably hell by my hair. I mean, I made it out. I don't even know how I made it out. So you're here one day, and you might not be here the next day. So I am not going to waste time going to the gym because going to the gym to me gives me no pleasure whatsoever. I will go for a walk. I walk aimlessly. When people ask me, where do you get inspiration? Where do you get your ideas? Walking. There's a, there's a, a Latin saying that says, solvitur ambulando, which means you might find the answer while walking. Oh. And I add, or the answers will find you. Try tomorrow put a pair of sneakers on and walk aimlessly don't set time don't bring a phone unless you're afraid of getting hurt or mm -hmm. put in your pocket or in a backpack and just walk walk for an hour an hour and a half for two hours without an aim just walk for the sake of walking, then come back and send me a message about what that walk was for you. It, trust me, just do it.
I'll do that. I normally do go to the gym like an hour to two hours a day, but I love to spend time walking at the gym. I haven't gone outside and gone on like a good walk. I normally like will work out like on the treadmill and respond to emails on the treadmill. (laughs) Leave your phone in your backpack or in your back pocket. Just put comfortable clothes on. Don't aim for a specific speed or anything. Just go for a walk. Decide that every three right turns, you'll take a left turn and whatever. Go aimlessly. I guarantee you that you will find a truckload of answers on the way. Or they might find you. I'll do that. And it, I mean, it, it does... Everybody that's tried it comes back and says, wow, I never thought that my mind was capable of that. Mm -hmm. And you'll see what your mind can do. I'll definitely try that. That seems like- Oh, I have a, uh, I forgot. I have a a a degree in psychology that I never (laughs) use. (laughs) I was thinking, why is it that I'm so into this? I want to go to school for psychology as well. I was thinking about doing a double major in psychology and economics. What? Why? Because that's the first thing that you get asked. Why? I just like to learn. Like, that is it. If someone asks me what I want to do with my degree in psychology and economics, I'm like, quite honestly, like, I just want to work for myself and own a company. What company? I don't know yet. That idea is going to come when I'm on that walk. Um, But I don't want to have this set agenda. Like, I just like to learn. I really just like to learn. No, no, I just wanted to make sure that you weren't going to tell me I want to study psychology to help others. Because that is by far the only reason not to study psychology. Mm -mm. No, I do enough of helping others. I'm already a mental health advocate and I already very much work in the recovery scene here in Austin. But I really I just will show you something. Hmm? I will show you something that I'm sure you recognize. Oh, yes. This. That's amazing. A semicolon. So you know exactly what that means. I do. I do. Yeah, so that's part of my path. I've been a stepdad for 33 years. I have two twin sons, stepsons, wow. who are now 38. And my and I have also I have a biological daughter that is 27. Just so that I give you the complete picture. That's amazing, though. What made you look at me for a can as a candidate why why did you what struck me what struck you about what I do I think your responses initially because I think initially you messaged me about it and then I was like sure why not and the way that you responded you were so eager and excited like you you were texting me so much information where it was like kind of like an ADHD brain. You're like, oh my gosh, there's this and there's this yeah. and there's this. And I knew that it would just be like never ending. I hate the term pick at your brain. I hate that term, but it's like you have a brain that just has streams of information and things that you want to talk about and that you know about like you're not just rambling random shit pretty much exactly no i will only talk about something that i've experienced with i believe that you can only teach and this is not the setting for teaching but i believe that you can only share what you have experience of and the reason why i'm so eager is that my sole terror is that my experience if not shared, will go to waste. Yep. That's what that's what I fear the most. Why the hell did I go through all this if I don't share it with others, especially the younger generations? I have a shitload of interns that 
I'm known to take all interns that apply. I and uh, and I tell them if you come, like especially in the judiciary system where I work, where I make most of my money. I tell them if you come and you listen and you spend a year with me in a year and a half, I will make you a copy of who I am. You can have the same success. I will share everything I know if you only spend the time to listen and to learn. And that's my that's big part of it is just keeping your ears open and being able to absorb the information. Personally, I'm in recovery. And when I went into the recovery scene and started trying to go on that journey of bettering myself and getting help, um, the biggest part was having an open mind going into it all. Just being like, okay, I don't know anything. I'm just going to go into it. I'm going to listen. I'm going to take suggestion and I'm going to formulate myself from there. And I think those points that I learned definitely has helped me to this day. Like I went in two years ago, like 17 years old. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, please just in recovery from what stop this life. Um, I was in recovery from fentanyl addiction when I was 17. Okay. Um, I was in the system a lot. I was in and out of a lot of like horrible places. And, um, then when I was 17, I had this opportunity to get sober and start this journey of bettering myself. And a lot of the lessons that I've learned there have been a lot of things that people like you, who I consider successful, have been telling me. They're like, just listen, just open your mind, open your ears, and it'll get you so far. Um, exactly. Listen and then formulate your own opinions. But have one more thing to compare, to listen to, to evaluate. That's all it ta- that's all you need to do is like give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to do is actually just give yourself a chance. Listen to and then I mean you can disregard everything you hear if you don't if it doesn't apply to you if you don't believe it but if you give yourself a chance every now and then you might get a little pearl of wisdom here and there and you see that that walking will do you wonders (laughs) i definitely need to take that walk do you that's how i for anyone else what do you have any advice on like what someone should start today Rephrase that, make it more specific because that's very vague. Do you have any advice? Okay. Like leaving this podcast, yeah. like something that you should leave for someone that they should begin to implement today. Not that tomorrow. Walking, that walking will do anybody wonders. It saved my life. I am alive because of that. Walking's wonderful. I am alive because of two things. Once, one thing is when I was at the at the at the height of my low, at the lowest of my low, my wife gave me a shovel and said, "Go in the garden and start digging," because I needed, and 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 uh, and also. A great advantage of walking intensively, meaning with intent, not 12 miles an hour intensively, but intensively with intent. So just go with the intent of clearing your mind is that you cannot be depressed and active at the same time. That's a proof of fact. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot be, you, your mind can only do one thing. It's either depressed or it's active. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, but when I stop, I'll be depressed again. Okay. We'll think about it when we get there. Start being active. It's like you get 
all these like endorphins or dopamine. I don't know which chemical it is that's yep. produced whenever you walk, but then it'll slowly go back down. And when it goes back down, then you go on another walk. Yeah. Or you do something and else. At, and at one point, you won't need to walk anymore. Sometimes knowing that you can is enough. Mm -hmm. Sometimes knowing that you can is sufficient. It really is. It all boils down being being making it in life. It all boils down to not giving up, not crying on yourself which is a huge issue in today's world. People will always blame something or someone. We take no more responsibility. Mm -hmm. Nobody takes responsibility anymore. I see that as well. Like even in class, like it'll be like, oh, well, I do this because of X, Y, and Z. And for me, like I've been through it. I have exactly. had struggles, struggles, but I, it's really hard for me to have empathy for someone at times when they just blame it on either their diagnosis or, or it's hard for me to have respect. I have empathy. I don't have respect if you're Good. blaming it on your diagnosis. Um, exactly. Because you are not your disease. You are not your disease. You are not your diagnosis. You can go out and get up like it is going to be hard to get out of bed. It is going to be so hard. Don't get me wrong, but you can still do it. You have legs. You are still able to if stand you up. Want. If, if you, you want. want. And wanting it sometimes it's, it's, it's in a way it's one of the signs of insecurity is that I am not going to try because I might fail. Mm-hmm. If I sit here and cry on myself, then I won't fail. Yep. I won't fail. And this is the same thing as in business. Business is the same way. Why didn't you start your own company at the same time while you were working? And oh, because I already worked 40 hours. Okay, then work another 40. Yeah. People ask me, it's like, how do you... And I gave you the example. It's not that I can get twice as much done. It's that I do it in half the time. Mm -hmm. And I get there before anybody else does. I get things done before the other person gets up. And what that's, time do you wake up at? What time do you want? You don't want to know. I want to know. Very, very, very different from what you expect. No, tell me. Eight o'clock. <laughs> eight o'clock? Between eight and nine in the morning. That's not bad. I know, but most people would say five. I get up at six in the morning. I wake up and I go to the gym. <laughs> no, I wake up between eight and nine every morning. I don't even set in the, I don't have an alarm clock. That's scary. <laughs> if I get up at 10, so be it. What time do I go to bed? Depends. When, I, when do I go to bed when I'm tired? Sometimes I get home at 6, and by 7 in the evening, I'm already sleeping. Mm -hmm. Most of the times, if you text me at 2 or 3 in the morning, I'll be up. I am not a morning person. I recognize that and I, I do what works when people I, I say, like how do you do it? What, what do you, what is your schedule? Everybody's schedule is different. Which is the right schedule? The one that works for you. When people ask me, what time do you go to the office? Midday. I never walk in my office before midday. There's people there and they say, oh man, is this the right, is this the time that to come in? I'm like, yeah, you're lucky that I came in at 12. I don't go to the office before 12. I'm I don't a go believer in that as well. Like I will knock it up before 11 because I'm a night owl. 
And there are some nights where I just have so much energy that I'll be up till like five, six a.m. just going at it, working. Um, Does it but work other nights, it's like if I'm tired by one a.m., I'll go to bed early. Like, does it work for you? It does. It works for then, me. Then, then, then it's the right schedule. Yeah. Then it's the perfect schedule. It works really well for me because, like, so many morning people, they like the morning because it's quiet. Their phone's not going off. I like the night because it's quiet. My phone's not going off. But even it's, if it wasn't, hmm? this is something that you can control. Put it away. Turn it off. It's like, oh, my phone. I like the morning because my phone doesn't go off. Turn it off. Put it in a drawer. Leave it in the car. Okay, but my phone's always ringing. Who cares? The fact that you, I, one of the biggest advices that was ever given to me was about people reacting to others. If you throw me a crystal ball and I drop it, it's your fault. I don't have to catch it. I didn't ask to be thrown a crystal ball. I don't have to catch it. Talk, I threw you a ball and you dropped it. So your problem, not mine. I will move away and let it fall. Just for the fact that you throw me a ball doesn't mean that I have to catch it. Mm -hmm. That is a business advice. Just the, just because you call me doesn't mean that I have to answer. Never answer a phone call if you're not ready for that phone call. Never. I will send you a link to my YouTube channel, which has a ton of little... 10-minute segments on different things, on negotiating, on this, on that, on the other. And one of them is, if you're not ready, don't take the call. Oh, but he called me, so who cares? It's his problem, not yours. Are you ready for that phone call? If you, are, if you know exactly well why that person is calling you, why pick up? Why pick up the phone? Are you ready for that conversation? No, then don't take it. Why do we feel obliged? It, one of the secret of business success is making the right decision. Do we agree on that? Yes. Perfect. When to take a call is one of those crucial decisions. If I take that call and I'm not ready, I might give in to something that I don't really want to give in. I might give information that I shouldn't give because it might give you a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. So make wise decisions. And what are wise decisions? Wise decisions are decisions that benefit you. If you're not ready to take a call, don't take it. That erases the... Oh, but my phone rings all the time. That That's why I wake up at six, because until eight, nobody calls. Fuck it. Wake up at eight and turn the phone off. Mm -hmm. See, you come from a generation where you've always lived. You've always had to interact with electronics, computers. We, When I was younger, we had nothing. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers. Or we did, but we, and we survived. Can you imagine? I mean, I grew to age 55. In my youth, I had no cell phone. And I still made it, so it's doable. It's not yeah. like, it's not like anybody's going to die if you don't, if you don't. <laughs> Don't fall slave to other people's choices. Heard that. You have? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
don't fall slave to other people's choices. It's a good one. And don't, in a way, don't expect others to change or to do things for you or to do things in your favor. Allow people to do what they feel best. Let them. And act accordingly. Act according to your best interest. If you're not ready for something, don't go. I have a business meeting. Are you prepared? No. Call it off. Oh, but then he'll get pissed. Okay, then he'll then he go, okay, fine. So so what? I mean, I can't stop you from getting angry. I can't stop you from getting pissed. I don't care. That's very factual. It's not factual. That's not the right word. Um, but I, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's important. That's what, that is what differentiates a successful entrepreneur from one that is yet to be successful. Not from an unsuccessful one, because if you go at it long enough, everybody will be successful. People that fail is because they didn't go at it long enough to succeed. Might take you a lifetime, but you'll get there eventually. Do you have any last words? No. No. Yeah. Just don't look for don't look for hard things. Just make keep it simple. Okay. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> nope. It's not that hard. Really well, thank you for spending time today and talking about all of these things. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. And if you have any other questions that I might answer with a with a in with a with a with a with a message, just shoot me a DM. All right. I will. Thank you so much, Daniel. I appreciate Take care. it. Yeah. Bye. 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 -bye. All right, guys, that was it. Please catch us next week on Wednesday. Check out Daniel's page. Please like and subscribe, comment, follow, do all the things. Catch us on Madeline Watching on Instagram and LinkedIn and the Breakout Podcast on YouTube and Facebook. All right, bye, y'all.